myself, my name is O, O, H to the O, V, I used to move snowflakes by the O, C, I guess even back then you could call me, CEO of the R, O, C, O, fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I beat up, music man's number one supplier, flying in a piece of paper bearing my name, got the hottest chick in the game, wearing my chain, that's right, O, O, not D, O, C, but similar to the letters, no one can do it better, you can blame Sean, Play it day one with Game Pass. Some say Formula One isn't really a sport. What sport has stadiums that span seas? Or revels in driving rain, blazing sun, and blackest night? What sport makes even Vegas stop and stare? Sure, we have passing and curveballs and even the odd dive. But for us, the back of the net is no place to be. Breakpoint is rarely an advantage in halftime. We do it in no time. Our kit saves lives. Our goals change futures. Our slam dunks echo around the world. In our big game, we do it 23 times a year. This is no ordinary sport. This is Formula One. Kyle Busch getting the helmet off. Kyle, the well-documented move to Richard Childress Racing. You've been up front every time you've been in this car already. It only took two points races till you get your first win with these guys. Yeah, could have, should have, would have, right? Last week, but um, no, I, I think it's just phenomenal. It's um, I can't thank Richard and Judy enough. I can't thank Austin for calling me and uh, and getting me talking and getting me this opportunity to be able to come over here to RCR and be a part of Chevrolet and um, you know be able to race this Lucas Oil. Uh, Camaro today to be able to put it up front like that, man. The guys did a great job. Randall, uh, everybody that uh, has worked so hard during the off season. We've done a lot of sim stuff. We've done a lot of testing. 
uh, in general, just with um, you know trying to get up to speed, systems and all that sort of stuff. But man, there's nothing more rewarding than being able to go to Victory Lane. So I uh, want to give a shout out to uh, my wife and son and daughter back at home. I miss you guys. I'll see you tonight. And then, um, you know, also Rowdy Energy, appreciate them. I need some three chief for my hands, man. I death gripped that wheel throughout the, uh, the second half of that race, but um, we held on, man. We got it today. Kyle, you've won a lot of big races through your career, but given everything that went in with the move and the change in teams, where does this one rank? <laughs> um, I think it, it ranks high just because it ranks to the fact of I can do it. Uh, you know, I never doubted myself, but sometimes you do. You know, you kind of get down on it. You wonder what's going on and what's happening, and you put yourself in a different situation, and uh, you're able to come out here and reward your guys. It's not about me always winning, but it's always about the guys. I've been with a lot of great people that have given me a lot of great opportunities in my career, so it's awesome to be able to reward them. Um, you know, so you're going to enjoy it for sure, and hopefully there's many more left to go. Kyle Busch, your winner in California. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything racing. Joining me in the studio, Richard Uden, Louise Torres, Levi. Fellas, how we doing this week? Evening. Good, thank you. Jet lag, but doing all right. Right, right. I know you've, you've been off to Fontana, so... Uh, We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that in a moment. First off, I want to thank uh, Sinister One Productions for uh, producing our show. I want to thank Formula One and Forza Motorsports for the clips there. And uh, that last clip you saw, Kyle Busch. Uh, we talked last week about Kyle Busch and that he feels like uh, there needs to be a sense of urgency uh, to win a race to prove that his move to RCR was uh, uh, not a mistake. Um, but uh, but here we are. Uh, two races into the regular season, uh, plus the clash there. He's been a factor in all the races, and now he's won a race early on. Some folks were surprised. Some of the folks that were not surprised are some of the former champions in the series, uh, most most uh, notably Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, who were like, yeah, what did you expect? The guy's one of the, one of the best, and these are guys that drive against him week in and week out. So now, Louise, you spent your uh, weekend – at Fontana, at the Speedway. So uh, run down the race for me a little bit. Yeah, about that race weekend. Let's see. It, it, apparently, the state of Washington decided to arrive in Southern California this weekend. You had rain, snow, <laughs> hailing, flood, sleet. It was straight out of uh, when I picked up my credentials and, and all of that jazz. It looked like straight out of a Twister movie at one point. But... It was a doubleheader Sunday due to the fact that the rain and snow postponed the Xfinity race, but the cup event put on a heck of a show in the sense of you saw a lot of comers and goers, but at one point, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez look, looked like a million bucks out there, especially Ross leading a good majority of the, the race, but Kyle Busch was lurking in the shadows, and I said this last week that you put Kyle Busch, who's usually really good at Fontana, Put him in the eight car. That was a strong car when Reddick drove it a year ago. It's just a lethal combination. And lo and behold, as the last wind down, and he had to overcome a pit penalty as well, mind you. When he was back in the mix, it was a heck of a battle between Kyle and Ross where some people see those two as the top aggressive drivers. And Kyle and his crew got the job done when they needed him most and got him out ahead. And then once Michael McDowell pitted, 
it was basically no looking back. And Kyle went out to win. First win with RCR. First win in the Chevy since 2007. His fifth at Fontana. 61st career win. And now he is the sole possessor of as the all-time winningest driver in terms of consecutive years. He has now won a cup race, at least one, each of the last 19 straight seasons. The old record was Richard Petty's 8 at 18. So that's pretty phenomenal. Oh. You think about it. It's how long he's been uh, at the top of the sport there. You know what I mean? Now, now Lee, uh, I want to get to you a little bit because you and I were having an in- interesting conversation off the air about uh, Kyle Busch and how like personally some of your feelings uh, towards him have kind of changed over the years. Uh, and I don't, I don't think you're the only one who's kind of uh, warmed up to Kyle Busch in, re- in recent years, particularly now that he's, he's moved over to RCR because there were always comparisons uh, with him to a former RCR driver, but I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you elaborate on that because I think he has some really good thoughts. No, I, I uh, thank you. I think for years and years I've said, and I've said it and a lot of other people have said it, the compare, the similarities between Rowdy and senior Dale senior are, it's incredible. They both are, you know, they take no holds bar on the racetrack. They do what they got to do to get, W's in their cars into victory into victory lane. And I, I mean, to see Rowdy do that, I mean, two races in and he's already clinched the spot for the playoff for the for the championship. I mean, it, it was only writing on the wall. It was about time. When Rowdy was with um, you know, Joe Gibbs, I was, you know, I was not a fan. Um, now that he's made the switch over to RCR, definitely taking a little bit better look at him. Um you know, he's got the talent. He, you know, it's proven. And like you said, er, the past champions, everybody says, you know, what did you expect? The guy's a proven track record is amazing. And he is, he's a lot like senior. He's got that attitude and that's what RCR wants. That's what Richard Childress was looking for. Somebody to go out there and do what needed to be done to keep that name going for the, for the event. And I think, you know, it's, it's going to be a rowdy season this year. I, I think, we're going to see some good things out of him. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to think that he's, he's been, he's been at the top level for 19 years now yeah. and he's still got a lot of good years left. I mean, you know what I mean? He could, uh, <laughs> he's already won the most NASCAR sanctioned races in history, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And yep. uh, so, I mean, there's, he can pad that record or break other records, you know, certainly uh, there's no signs of him slowing down, no signs of him stopping, you nope. know, and he's not that old. Uh, you know, he's still still relatively uh, uh, young as far as, you know, like uh, Lee and I are concerned. He, he's old to you, Louise. <laughs> so, Louise, I wanted to I wanted to say something because you made you, you actually made me giggle uh, when you were talking about the racer. I just wanted to throw this out there because I think it's funny. Uh, but you said uh, a couple of these guys look like a million bucks. I'm like, oh, so they look sorely underfunded. <laughs> no, no, I know what no. I know what you meant, but that's what, that's what popped I mean, in my head. So I mean, if Kyle Busch is to be like you, Denny Hamlin said in his podcast that Kyle Busch, the the, the man he wanted to stay at Joe Gibbs Racer, could have put him under the team, Absolutely, the whole organization. Yeah. But so yeah. there, that's but that's a different story for another time. But it, it, look what he's done so far. Had they decided to just let Suarez get a chance to keep the car rolling, he would have also been stuck anyway. We would be talking about Kyle Busch maybe being two for two this season. 
And and not just Kyle Busch, if you look at RCR, it seems like the impact is already instant in a positive light. I mean, so far, Austin Dillon has racked up some noteworthy runs. Is he at in the same level as Kyle? Absolutely not. But I'm curious to see how they do it. Um, and, and as far as it, uh, when Kyle Busch runs in the Xfinity Series this season with Colleague, I'm curious to see how they do as well, how he does with that team. Because with this opportunity now he is with Chevrolet, it could open some new some new uh, some new doors to see how well he can do with those organizations and those cars. So far, we've seen so he's done really good in Cup, and it's if it's gonna be like 2008 when he first joined Joe Gibbs, he's gonna look out. But the question is, as we go to the postseason, will history repeat itself like it was in 2008 where he was dominant in the regular, but could not execute in the postseason? That's gonna be the big mystery in months' time. It's not just him; it's the team as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's that. What experience does that organization have of running, right. you know, in the playoffs and deep into the playoffs and going for championships? It's pretty light in reality. And one thing I wanted to mention, and, you know, obviously I was heavily involved in the organization for three years, but outside of Reddick's road course wins, um, I know they've had other wins, you know, in recent years here and there, but this is the last, this is the first time I can remember an RCR car winning an oval race, the bread and butter of NASCAR, on pure pace in, since I was involved, eight years. You know, I know, we, you know when I was there, we won a couple of races. We won the, the Coke 600 and Newman won a race in Phoenix, but they're all strategy calls on fuel mileage races. They were never pure pace. You know, it's probably going back to the Kevin Harvick days when, um, you know, RCR won a race on an oval on pure being the fastest car. And, you know, that's not, they haven't suddenly found, a, you know, a decent car. That, to my mind, puts the drivers they've had for the last 10 years in, in pretty poor light. You know, this guy's rocked up first first real serious race. I'm not counting Daytona as a serious racer. First real race. And he, you know, he wins the damn thing. You know, well, how does that make the, the laundry list of drivers that RCI have had in the last 10 years? Like, I think it's, it's, it's a pretty, it reflects pretty poorly on those guys in, in consideration. Or even the ones 25 years outside of Earnhardt and Harvick, when you look at Jeff Green, Robbie yeah. Gordon to some minor extent, Mike, Mike Skinner. And, it's, and part of it, some of them, like with Skinner's case, injuries really derailed his cup career, but others, they just clicked at some tracks, but more often than that, they just could not click. So yeah. I am curious to see how the, the dynamic of Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon will do as the season goes on. So, so far, the impact has been nothing but positive, but going forward and these other diverse race tracks, that's the big question mark. I'd like to see how both of them will do. I think yeah. Austin's no, it, I think Austin yeah uh, go ahead, Rich. No, 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 you go, you go, you go. I, I think Austin Dillon's in a in a prime position because he has I mean he has the winningest driver in NASCAR as his teammate. And all Austin Dillon has to do is just sit back, watch and learn. I mean, he doesn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. he doesn't have any pressure on his shoulders. He's just a driver now. He's not the face of an organization. That's that's Rowdy's job, and that that's huge. It takes so much weight off of Austin Dillon. He could just drive. He doesn't have to worry about being the the you know the the face of RCR. And I think Austin at the you know he's just going to sit back and suck it all in like a sponge, and he's going to come out on the other side a much better driver than. Than he is right now, for sure, definitely. If he can learn, yeah, from yeah, it, yeah. if he can use that tool, then for sure, it's is how he reacts to it. I mean, yep. 
you know, he, he's he's had an opportunity to learn from some half decent drivers in the past, you know, with, with Ryan Newman being there, who, you know, back in his day was as fast as they came, and that didn't do much good for him. Um, you know, Austin's one of these drivers who needs needs the group around him to tell him how good he is for him to perform. He's, you know, he's he's one of those style drivers, and which is very different from Kyle. You know, Kyle will... Kyle calls a spade a spade. You know, if he doesn't like yeah. something or something's not good, he'll tell that. And he'll tell Austin that he's not pulling his weight. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see if that, how that dynamic and that relationship grows. But um, yeah, it, it, it's for, 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 for my money, now Austin has real pressure on him for the first time. I think Reddick put pressure on him last year and you saw Reddick's performances, especially at the road courses, really yeah. put Austin in the, in the shade yeah. uh, at times. And uh, we'll... We'll see how that that relationship grows, but um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for sure, as you say. Um, you know, there's two ways it's going to go. He's either going to react to it well and going to raise his game, or he's or it's it's, it's going to. I don't want to use the word sulk and run away, but uh, you know, he's got his reality TV shows, and he's you know, I'm sure at one point in the in the future, his name's going to be over the door of that shop. So um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he reacts. I wonder if that yeah, show's still yeah. around. Did it renew the second season? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say if it's not that, then no, I'm not going there because it's the... <laughs> I'll talk about it in the reality TV show podcast. There we go. All right, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about <laughs> some of the other uh, things coming out of Fontana. So Joey Logano managed to piss everybody in the field off um, by uh, so. It depends on who you believe what happened there, but they're saying he break checked the field. Now we have a longer restart zone or if it gives you a little more flexibility of when to hit that gas. But, uh, uh, you know, it's an old, it's an old short driver's trick to, to break check the field, make everybody kind of check up and then, then, you know, get a run on them. Right. Something that really kind of has no place in, um, on a, you know, two mile racetrack. Uh, although, you know, we've seen it before. We've seen, uh, I, I remember Will Power was accused of it once that I need car race checking up the field uh, on a road course. But um, Joey says, check the data. He didn't do it. But uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody's buying that. So, uh, so uh, which one of you guys wants to, wants to chime in on this and talk about the, uh, the new, uh, the new longer restart zone. And um, if, if this is going to be a continuing problems through the year or this just joey being joey it's hard to tell right now two races in with that longer resource uh, obviously we saw what they claim as the biggest wreck in fontana in the cup series which is which is amusing because 2003 and then the fall race where they had that one wreck and turn one that brought a red flag i was surprised that one didn't have more cars but it's gonna i'm curious to see how it goes in a as the season goes on with different drivers in different situations, because right now it sounds like it's more of a Logano thing so much so that Logano apparently ran over a cat. Some people want to put Blaney in that thing. So it was a weird day for the Penske camp. Yeah. Let's talk about the cat. That was, that was kind of weird too. Right. Cause we've seen a couple of things. We've seen birds get struck by race cars. Right. Uh, I remember a guy running over a Fox one time. Uh, and of, of course, most tragically, uh, Cristiano D'Amato hit a deer, uh, which ended his career and, and left him in the hospital for quite some time. But a black cat crossing your path um, is said to be bad luck. And that people think Blaney hit the cat. How the cat got on the track, I, I don't know. But um, 
So you got to wonder. So if a black cat crosses your path, that's bad luck, right? But if a black cat is in your path and you just run the damn thing over, does that absolve you from the bad luck? I guess we'll have to see how how Blaney's season goes now. So, but yeah, that was, I couldn't. That, that was you. to me. I'm I like, wasn't around because like, I was on the. Yeah, that's a new one. Black cat on the track. So. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised they didn't stop the race because you've seen in Formula One, especially in Montreal, when the old um, groundhogs or whatever they are, beavers or whatever they are, get on the track at, in Canada, they they'll like throw a red flag instantly. Because imagine how what bad PR that is to run an animal over, and NASCAR like, nah, every caution. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you go shovel up the dead cat. Yeah, so. yeah. I thought I was amazed that they didn't like red flag it, you know, just from a PR perspective. Well, yeah, I, that would have been the weirdest red flag of all time. Where hey, everybody talk about it now, rather than somebody mowing over a cat, which is not exactly uh, great PR for the sport. Yeah. I mean, did At they stop? Did they stop the game when Randy Johnson threw that fastball and crushed that seagull? Like back in the day, it was a little bit late by then, wasn't it? I think the damage yeah. had been done. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I would say the damage was done to that cat as well. So, but there's photographs of it doing its thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you yeah. see those things occasionally. I, I remember there was uh, a squirrel on the track at, at 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 Indy one time. I remember that, and they they yellow yellow flagged the uh, the practice to till they get that thing to to get off the track. But uh, you know, you get a you get an animal there, scared to death, doesn't know how to get out. You got the walls all the way around, so. Yeah, and, and you got to be wondering, well, how did I get here? <laughs> so, <coughs> but anyway, anyway, anyway I digress. We'll save that so, for our annual welfare podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so Louise, we, we also had an Xfinity race. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, John Hunter Nemechek won that one. So let's, yep. let's talk about the Xfinity a little bit. Yeah, after the rain and snow postponed the race to Sunday, they only got like a couple pace laps in before they pulled the plug. After the cup race, we had the Xfinity competition, which was officially the last two-mile race ever. Not cup. Xfinity closed the show. And for a while, Cole Custer was looking like the same as he was a year ago, just dominating the race. And then, Austin Dillon and himself got into it in turn one. It damaged Dillon's car and pretty much derailed Custer's night because unlike all the other guys like Josh Berry and Sheldon Creed and Justin Allgaier, we know Creed ended up wrecked at the end. Custer was trapped and could never recover to get back where he was. And, and like the cup race, there's a lot of comer and goers in that one. Different variations of pit strategies and the cautions coming out at the perfect time for a lot of them. Some benefited from it more than others, but in the end, it came down to John Hunter Nemechek with yet another strong start to the season. He finished second at Daytona. Now he got his third career Xfinity Series win, and people are saying that Custer always going to win seven or eight races. Don't underestimate John Hunter Nemechek in a Gibbs car. Don't underestimate him. I think if anything, it's going to come down to those two guys, and they're going to kind of carry the Xfinity torch that guys like Cindric. Gregson and Gibbs left behind, and all yeah, the yeah, as well. yeah. John Hunter's a good good driver, yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't underestimate him at all. So so we are off to is it Phoenix? We're off to next. Is that correct? 
Vegas. No, we're at Vegas. Oh, Vegas, Vegas. That's right. I yeah. knew it was somewhere out west, but uh, you know, I'll have even a couple, Las Vegas. A couple guesses to get it right. So, uh, so Vegas, yeah, cookie cutter, uh, one point five mile oval. Um, so we'll be there in a week's time. We've got a big weekend of racing coming up. So this uh, this weekend, in addition to uh, the Cup in Vegas, we've got the um, opening rounds of both Formula One and IndyCar. And we'll get into talking about those two series next. But um, before we do that, let's go ahead and make our picks for Vegas. I'll start with you, Lee. Who do you, who do you tend to like for Vegas? I'm I'm uh, I'm rooting for Ross Chastain this weekend in Vegas. I think he uh, he you know he he won stage one and two in Fontana. Thought he was thought he was going to pull out a W, um, but I I think he's going to carry that momentum over into into Vegas. I think it's a good going to be a good track for him, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. Okay, now Louise. Hmm. I'm going to go with Larson in this one. Yeah, good pick. Good pick. I'm going to go with uh, Chase Elliott, uh, which is another decent, safe pick, you know. And uh, uh, and so now that we've picked all those guys, watch Kyle Busch go back to back, uh, which uh, would not surprise me either. Um, so, and Richard, you'll abstain, right? Uh, I think the Chevys look pretty strong. Uh, we're looking at some of the, some of the uh, feedback from... Uh, from Atlanta and the, the Chevys are the class of the field right now. They're going to take some beating in the first few, first few weeks of the season, I think. All right. Well, good for Chevy. So, yeah. all right. So let's, uh, let's turn our <laughs> attention to the IndyCar series um, where we're going to be opening up the season at St. Petersburg, uh, the world's fastest spring break. They like to call that uh, uh, course made out of uh, partial airport runways partial public roads um, been on the calendar for almost two decades now. I've uh, been opening the season, you know, for, for, for a while other than uh, you know, pandemic year. Um, but uh, uh, one of the driver's favorite tracks. I mean, there are a couple guys that live down there. Elio's got a house down there. Uh, the late Dan Weldon had a house down there. They've actually named a portion of the track. Uh, one of the city streets there in St. Peter's Dan Weldon way. Uh, and that's a popular place for uh, race fans to go and get their picture taken while they're there and join the uh, action at St. Pete. But uh, so let's um, let's talk about the, the race a little bit. Um, we've seen that in preseason testing, uh, the Andretti cars were pretty much class of the field in in nearly all of the tests there. But, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean. Uh, that they'll be at the top when we come to the track, uh, because you never know what guys are testing. You know, they could be working on race setups. They could be, you know, working on springs set up and, you know, anything other than just trying to, to set a good time and be at the top of the chart. So I really feel like, you know, the most, the most prolific winners at uh, St. Pete have been historically team Penske and uh, th their lineup of Scott McLaughlin, Joseph Newgard and Will Power are three guys that are going to be tough to beat on that type of race course. So, uh, I, 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 and I would also look to McLaren. I think McLaren is going to give Pensy Ganassi Andretti a run for their money. Um, I, honestly, it looks like the, um, McLaren is going to be stacked this year between the, uh, drivers and the engineering help they picked up. I mean, McLaren's going in with a pot of award, Alexander Rossi, Felix Rosenquist in there. So you got three very capable guys. Uh, they've, they've got new engineering help. They've got a heck of a budget to work with. Um, 
So they're going to be strong. The Andretti cars look good in testing. I, I, I'm wondering at this point if it's Ganassi that's going to kind of slip behind those other guys or Ganassi is historically good everywhere. Are they going to, uh, are they going to, you know, pop to the front again? So, so it's, it's going to be a very interesting season. The IndyCar series is always very, very competitive. The fields are always very, very deep. Um, there's a lot of guys in there that can win the qualifying time. But a lot of times there's less than a second or just a second separating first from last in qualifying. If you take off the last guy, but Jimmy Johnson's not around anymore. So oh. we don't have to. Oh, jeez. Jeez. Ouch. Oh, poor Jimmy. Don't tell us. Jimmy's doing fine. No, Kelly getting- is not around anymore. <laughs> no, Kellett. Yeah, Kellett. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so Louise, um, Tell me some of your thoughts on who we should keep an eye out for in IndyCar this year. I'm curious to see how Kyle Kirkwood and Marcus Armstrong will do. Kirkwood, last year, let's just face it, it was a throwaway year. It was kind of, it, it was just a least year where we get to see how he to see him how he acclimates in one year IndyCar. But this season, I feel like, and a lot of people would have, would have probably agreed to this. This is his true form rookie campaign where he could actually show why he was one of the top road to indie scholars that they ever had. He dominated everything in the junior categories. And now he's going with a competitive team in the 27 car. I think keep an eye on him. I feel like this is the year we see him shine in the sport and Armstrong, albeit he's not running the old bulls. He looked pretty good so far. And I'm wondering if he can actually win rookie of the year in spite of missing the races. We saw in 2021, Roman Groshon was still in the mix, but the lack of obels with the exception of Gateway obviously th- impacted his odds at Rookie of the Year. And Well, you know, the one thing that this changed uh, this year is that the Indianapolis 500 is no longer double points. Mm-hmm. So so skip, skip, skipping Indy uh, is not the huge disadvantage that it that it once was, but still, I mean, if you look at it, even the guys that have finished last on the ovals will get seven or eight points. Right. So and you're and you're talking, oh, we're going to get uh, zero points for, you know, the, the five, right, four races. Or is it five? Is it's the, the Iowa doubleheader, Texas, yeah, yeah, two races in Iowa, Texas and Gateway. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's five races where Armstrong is going to get zero points. Uh, so that really it almost puts it out of reach for him. But it's not impossible if he's finishing well ahead of the other guys uh, during the race. But I think when it comes to rookie of the year, you've got to look at um, Stingray Rob, who's going to be in the coin car um, just for the simple fact that he is running the full season and uh, Benjamin Peterson is in the Foyt car. So you have to say, sorry, Benjamin, <laughs> that's I, I just, the Foyt team is not approved even by adding uh, Santino Frucci and they were still at the bottom of all the charts uh, during the thing there. And um, the other and rookie who knows is about- uh, uh, August uh, Canapino. Um, and he's the one you're going to have to watch out for, too. He's the unknown. He's yeah. the unknown here. But Yukos is still one of the smaller, less funded teams. But uh, I feel like Canapino is uh, a heck of a talent. Um, he's got Callum Eilat in there as a as a, as a teammate. And I think those two guys will work well and help one another out. Uh, and of course, Ricardo Yunkos, I mean, he knows how to run a winning team. He's had much success in junior formulas. So, uh, you know, the, the step up to IndyCar is a big step, mind you. Uh, but uh, he's uh, three years into it now. 
maybe four where he had to, I think he had sat out a season or it only did a partial uh, at one point in time. He sat out in 20, at 21, they arrived late in the season with Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 22 was their first true full year. Right, right. So now they're, they're this will be their first year with two, two full-time cars. Um, and, of course, they've got the uh, partner in there, Hollinger, who really helps in that uh, budget department there. So we'll have to see how they perform. But, I mean, it's hard to, when you just look at everything, you, you know, you've got to take Armstrong out of the picture because he's not running the full series, right? You, you, uh, you take Canapino is a bit of an unknown, right? Hugo's uh, team is is up in the air. So you really, your smart money's on Stingray Rob. Um Who's going to be on our show in a couple of weeks, by the way? I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but he's with Dale Coyne. And Dale Coyne can put out winning cars sometime. There's, I mean, Justin Wilson was running and winning. Uh, Mike um, Conway, Sebastian Bordel. Sato, when, did Sato win one of his 500s in the coin car? No. No, he came. Um, he no, was Sato, in the mix, Sato, but Sato, never won Sato it. Sato won a race in a Foyt car, though, which is um, probably even a bigger scary. accomplishment. Yeah, he won Long Beach <laughs> in, a, in the Foyt car. Yeah, he's the last guy to win in a Foyt car. So, yeah, and then, then of course, uh, you know, Sato was driving all those ovals in the Ganassi car, which that you're going to have to watch out for that. So, because, uh, you know, when you put Sato in a good car at, at the Indianapolis 500, Hey, you know, but uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves talking about the Indy 500. So, yeah. Lee, Lee, you don't, you're not a huge follower of IndyCar, right? But, I am but, not. But you do, uh, you, you do enjoy it somewhat. So, I mean, do you have I any do. thoughts on what you're looking forward to this season? Uh, like you said, like you said, uh, rookie of the year, Stingray, looking forward to his sophomore season, so to say, and what he, um, what he does behind the wheel on a full-time uh circuit this year uh so I'm, I'm looking forward to that i'm definitely paying more attention obviously because i'm here and i'm dealing i have to you know hold my own with you guys and your indie car expertise so i'll be definitely watching with a different set of eyes this year uh but i you know i mean i i think you know like i said stingray i'm anxious to see what he's got to do um obviously the andretti cars what they're going to do this year uh is is always up for debate uh so yeah be different looking at it for a different set of eyes this year for sure. Yeah, as as I'll be looking at NHRA from a different set of eyes this year with uh, with you joining the show talking about NHRA. So I'm kind of excited to learn more about that sport from you as you learn more about IndyCar from us. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Richard, <clears throat> you looking forward to St. Pete? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great venue. Uh, you know, there's been some great races there over the years, and uh, yeah, it'd be good to get 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 everybody back up and running in the in in the, in the IndyCar series, as you mentioned there earlier, Frank. You know, there's so many teams. You know, you got basically four teams that you could throw a blanket over in terms of where you'd expect them to be. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns. It's a lot like you know a lot of the other series, <laughs> Formula One, where you've got a pretty good idea who's going to be winning the first few races. Um, you know, you've got. He says four four of the powerhouse teams there in the sport now. Uh, you know, with McLaren joining the joining the fray, um, and you know it could be any of those half dozen drivers, dozen drivers that could walk away winning the thing come uh, come Sunday afternoon. So yeah, always great racing, super fun, and uh, yeah, look really really looking forward to it. Yeah, so they've announced a couple of changes. They're going to change the way they do the um, 
the clock during the qualifying uh, because I think in the past when they had a, a, a red flag, they would um, keep the clock running and uh, occasionally that would lead to guys not even be able to, uh, to, to get a good fast lap uh, out of a, out of a session. So they're going to change that up. So qualifying will be a little more, you know, be a little harder to get caught out. Cause we've seen that a couple of times where, uh, you know, a, a guy hasn't laid down his flyer yet and somebody makes a mistake. We get a red flag and then we go back to practice with maybe a minute left, which doesn't even give you, you know, you got time for maybe a warm up, maybe a flyer, maybe not. So, well, uh, that'll that'll improve the whole show, I think. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see how this goes at some of these races where they have just really packed schedules, like, uh, say, Long Beach, where there's there's several different support series and there's racing, you know, all day long and, and the schedules are really tight. And that was always kind of the excuse in the past why we need to have the, uh, you know, keep the clock running is because the schedule's so tight. So I guess they've got some... Breathing room in those schedules now, so we'll see a little bit more of a fair qualifying session. Everybody should get at least a, a, a chance to get a get a flyer in uh, during the qualifying. Uh, and the other uh, change for this year is we're going to use the uh, Guale tires or the green sidewall tires at uh, most of the road course races. Uh, and again, they they ran those last year at Nashville. Uh, the feedback was largely really good from the drivers. They don't perform much differently than the reds. Uh, but it's a, uh, as far as manufacturer, it's uh, more sustainable than, you know, rubber made from a rubber tree plant. Um, this is, you know, this is made from a shrub that uh, grows quickly uh, in the North American deserts, in, you know, Arizona and whatnot. So that's, uh, we'll be seeing a little more of that. And then the other changes they're going to use, alternate tires on some ovals uh, where we've traditionally had just the black tires on the oval. Now they'll have the choice of the blacks for the reds on some of these ovals, including uh, Iowa and gateway. So that'll be a uh, kind the of short ovals, yeah. See. yeah. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be a different kind of strategy play to watch this year. So, um, but with no further ado, right, let's, let's go ahead and make our picks for St. Pete. And um, I want to go first so I can pick Scott McLaughlin because <laughs> I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be, he's gonna be tough to beat this year. Everybody's talking about uh, McLaren and Andretti and this and that, but you can never count Penske out. Um, and I think you know, you know, by the end of the year, uh, you know, New Garden Power and uh, McLaughlin are all gonna have some new trophies in their in their cases, and maybe one of them will have the Astro Cup. But I'm I'm gonna say that uh, Scotty Mack opens up the season with the win. Now, Richard, you could be next. Hmm. Let's go with Rossi. Okay. Alexander Rossi for you. Uh, Louise? I think this here's another one. I, I have a huge circle, and I feel like now that we know where he's going to be, Alex Polo, he was close a year ago. He was in that mix with McLaughlin. I feel like now that all that drama, for the time being, is done and over with, He's going to start the season like how he ended it last year, Laguna Seca in victory lane in the top step of the podium. Okay. That's a good pick too. Yeah. Cause we haven't talked much about Ganassi. Like I said, they've been quiet during the, during the, uh, the off season, but they're always a threat. So then Lee, you care, you care to try to take a stab at uh, picking the winner for St. Pete. 
Well, I was going to say Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I was going to say Jimmy Johnson. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, you're killing me, Richard. You're killing me. Ah, oh, it's terrible. There goes my pick. Now I'm going to go with Will Power this weekend. See what he's got. Uh, you know, he's he's a strong driver. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to put my put put my money on him this weekend, but. Darn it! I really wanted Jimmy Johnson to win. Yeah, hey, well, they, hey, look, hey <laughs> Connor Daly is technically a NASCAR driver. You could have gone with him. And I could have too. I could have too. Yeah, Ferrucci yeah. As well, he's so. been a NASCAR driver. Yeah, Ferrucci's done some Xfinity races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yep. And uh, has yeah. he done? Has he done a Cup race? Ferrucci? I thought he no. did one of the uh, road courses last year in in one of those like Helsingberg cars or whatever it was that. Um... You're thinking of Kvyat. Kavia did that. I thought yeah, Fruity did, Kavia well. did that. Yeah, Fruity did a couple Xfinities. I know that. So yeah, and anyway, I know. I know. On. I know. RC Anderson did a Cup race. So yeah. and he's he's a guy I haven't heard from anything this year. So we'll just have to. Been great fellow. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh... Anyway, so we'll move on. Next, we'll talk about FIA Formula One. Uh, the the latest season of Drive to Survive is out there to watch. You can go ahead and chronicle last year one race at a time. Uh, watching that on Netflix, I had it uh, loaded up. Was watching some of that the other day. But of course, we want to talk about the 2023 season and uh, see whether or not we're going to have uh, Max Verstappen three Pete as champion. So, Richard, we're off to Bahrain, start the season. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what should we be looking for in Formula One? Well, we've been in Bahrain for just over a week now as the, the pre-season test was concluded uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of last week. Um, wow. Again, you know, immense reliability. I think there was, over the three days, I think there was two on-track wow. stoppages, red flags for actual um, mechanical issues. I think there was more red flags for system testing than there were actual uh, issues. Um, I mean, to, to cut, you know, make a long story short, Red Bull are going to dominate the start of the season. I think uh, they they've evolved their car from where they were in 2022, um, which is the only way they can really do it under the budget cap now. You know, especially as Red Bull, due to their misdemeanor misdemeanors uh, previous years, have lost wind tunnel time and budget uh, allocation for this year. So it's it's purely an evolution, but it's it's not a bad it's not a bad car from last year to evolve with really. Um, you got a pretty good basis there to work from. So I, I think they're, they're going to be the team to beat. Um, you know, Ferrari uh, sort of knocking on the door. Aston Martin have had a good preseason with Alonso. Uh, obviously, it, Lance Stroll's uh, participation in Bahrain uh, question. I don't think he will if the rumours are true that he's broken his wrist, which I think Kevin Magnussen alluded to. Um it could be that Drugovich gets that seat there, which I think is fully deserved as a you know an F two front runner in previous years. Uh, but the, yeah, the Aston Martins look good. Um, Mercedes, nobody really seems to know. A lot of people are saying that they had their engines turned down and they were sandbagging. Um, but yeah, you, you, if, if anybody looks beyond Red Bull, um, they're they're clutching at the straws. Uh, I'm afraid. I think. Um, if, if the feedback from Red Bull is true, they've made a car that is more rounded to both drivers. Um, Max, in his ungodly talent, likes a very pointy car. And I mean, by, by when I say pointy, I mean it's very front front end active. You know, 
the brake bias will be thrown all the way to the front. You know, he wants to make the front stop and then rotate the car through the corner. Not many drivers can drive a car like that, especially in modern day. Um, Checo is is the polar opposite to Max. He he likes a car that squats at the rear, that's very stable at the rear, that will rotate through the corner early and he can get the power down early, whereas Max is very late on the brakes and rotates it through just through the the lack of um, retardation at the rear of the car. Very impressive way of driving, very, very hard way of driving. Checo last year couldn't get on top of that, and that's why he struggled at times. The The rumours are, and what Red Bull have been saying, is that they've made a car that's more balanced now to both drivers. So, in theory, it should you know, give them an even stronger um, platform going into uh, into the season. If, if Checo can can step up there and, and push Max and be a rear gunner for Max more than he was at times last year, um, then Red Bull may get that 1-2 in the championship that they've never had, despite all the success with the four world championships of Seb and the, uh, the two for Max. They've never had a 1-2 in the championship, so... That's obviously high on their list of priorities for this year, and if it's true, if, if if what they're saying is true with the car suiting Checo more than it has in previous years, it's going to be pretty damn scary. Yeah, yeah. So, so it looks like from what you're telling me is that uh, Max's stiffest competition is going to come from his own teammate, not some guy named Hamilton or Leclerc. So that'll I be that's got to be demoralizing for the other 18 guys out there. <laughs> Um, well, it can but, work but, two ways, though. You know, in all fairness, Frank, it can work two ways. I've seen this with drivers. When Red Bull publicly turn around and say, oh, the car's more suited to Checo, that's a huge amount of pressure on Checo now. He's got to perform. There's no... He does, you know, yes. As, you know, you're talking about having, you know, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon in the same car. You know, there's nowhere for Austin to hide now, and there's nowhere for, for Checo to hide. If they're what they're saying is true, obviously they'll know internally that... The, the real dynamic of the car and how it's suited. But if it's true when they say, oh, this car is more suited to Checo, and he's not P2 on a regular basis, and Leclerc, Hamilton, Russell, Sainz are beating him, then it puts him in a very, very difficult position. And now you're starting to see, you know, some real talent come through the Red Bull pack. You know, I think Nick DeVries in the Alpha Towery has a real opportunity to lay claim to Checo's seat next year. If, if De Vries can come in and, and do what people expect of him, then Checo's got some real real threat there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he ups his game because there was flashes of it last year when the car just suited him at certain tracks. You know, Checo was, was on point, but he's got to do it. You know, we saw it last year, didn't we? He started off the season well. He got a contract extension and he just he, he disappeared for the middle sort of middle quarter or middle half of the season and, and fi- did finish the end the, the year year strong. I think he, he, he grabbed a couple of wins there at the end of the year or a couple of strong performances. But um yeah, yeah. this this notion of uh the car suits him could be Red Bull putting even more pressure on him. You know, in the past they said, well the car doesn't suit me, so he's had that excuse straight out the bar. Yeah, and I and I will not I will not disagree on that at all because you have Ricardo as your reserve driver, but DeVries is looking like more to be the guy. I mean, he yeah. I mean we saw the journey he had to go through, not go to Formula One right out of the gate. He delivered in Formula E, got a World Championship down there. He had the superb debut that he got a top ten at Monza, and a time when Latifi had no points. 
So, yeah. and as for like Paris at Red Bull, Alvatar, you look at Sonoda. It's a put up or shut up season for him, big time. Yeah, oh, I think yeah. I think last year was a big year for him when when you know Frank Franz Tost moved him, you know, out of the UK into Italy yeah. to be at the factory to you know, really put some pressure on him. I think it did help him. And, you know, the guy's got talent. There's no doubt about it. I mean, all 20 guys on the grid have got talent. It's just you're dealing in such fine percentage points of, of when we consider what that talent can produce on the track. That, um, yeah, there's, there's no room, for, there's nowhere for these guys to hide now, especially when they're going up against yeah. known quantities, um, which, you know, these guys, these guys are doing now. Yeah, it's yeah. so tough right now. Yeah, I always find the uh, you know, going back to Checker with Max, right? I always find the uh, the teammate dynamic uh, very interesting to watch when one of those drivers is one of the best in the business. You know what I mean? And we've seen you know, uh, there's always you know one guy better than the other. Uh, you know, except for lightning in a bottle case is like when you had Prost and Senna on the, yeah, the team the at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, you've got you've got two guys that are the best in the world at the same time, uh, and sometimes you have guys that are equal um that that push one another which is also great to see and some of the pairings i think of there are like uh, mario Andretti and ronnie peterson uh where those guys were i want to say ronnie as a pure formula one driver was probably a little better than mario but but mario knew the details of that car because he did all the all the preseason testing so he was better suited for the car but when when you think about like schumacher right if you've got if you're teamed up with one of the best in the world you got a couple of choices here. You can, you can, you can try to push them or you can just fall in line and be a good soldier and help your teammates win multiple championships. When you look at Schumacher's case, you had Eddie, Eddie Irvine, who was not a good, good soldier. Yeah. You know, he, no, he tried, tried to push Michael, but then you get a uh, Rubens Barrichello in there. Who's more than, more than happy to play that number two man role. Right. And, yeah. and the same thing with, um, uh, when we, yeah, when we talk about, um, Mercedes, right. You know, we had um, uh, Rosberg in there who pushed Lewis and pushed Lewis and ended up winning his own championship, was able to actually defeat Lewis, right? But then we had Valtteri in there who was fine to be that number two man. Now we've got George Russell in there. And, of course, the team's performance has slid a little bit, right? But, you know, mm -hmm. Hamilton is still considered one of the best in the world. But I, I see Russell as being this guy that's going to that's gonna push him. So, yeah, so and it's, I think it's that's gonna, all that, all that's just, it's very, the, the teammate dynamic is very yeah. interesting to me, you know, like, especially when you get two guys that don't necessarily get along, you know, like, I think Nig you, like Nigel Mansell and whoever his teammate was any given year, <laughs> except, yeah. except Ricardo Patrese. He loved Mansell. Yeah. The only, oh, the yeah. only one. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the interesting sort of subplots we're going to see this year uh, is actually going to be at uh, Alpine where yeah. we have now Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. Um, you're creating an all all gallery um, driver lineup for the for the French team there, and 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 you know these guys don't get on. You know, there's this instant assumption from everybody that if there's two people from the same nationality, you must be best friends. Uh, and I get that all the time. You know, living over here, I somebody says, "Oh, I, I know a guy from England. You must be good friends." The 65 million people who live in England. Trust me, I do not get on with all of them. <laughs> in fact, most of them are complete arseholes. Oh. You know King um, Charles, right? No, well, you know, <laughs> he keeps texting me, but I never bother replying. Um, 
but no, it, th- these guys don't get on. And, um, you know, it's going to be, I mean, Ocon can fall out with with himself in an elevator, but with nobody else in there, I think. He certainly has the ability to, he's the Joey Logano of, of, of F1, I think. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Ocon yep. can, can wind India. a lot of people up pretty quick. He has that, he has that air of immature arrogance about him, I think. Uh, you know, you all look back at what he did to Max in Brazil a few years ago and just, yeah. you just uh, think, Force if, India. The guy's quick. Yeah, the guy's quick, but is he all that? I don't know. Uh, so that that's going to be yeah. a fantastic battle of teammates there. I think um, I think that could come to a head a couple of times next year. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the Haas teammates um, with um, Nico Hulkenberg and uh, Kevin Magnussen, that's going to be another interesting battle to see where we go. But, uh, of course, we've got Logan Sargent making his debut. Um you know, the first U.S. driver since uh, Alexander Rossi, uh, full-time driver anyway, probably full-time driver since. I mean, Rossi did have a full-time drive with Catron, didn't he? No, oh, did he, he ever only drove. No, he didn't. A few races. Scott Man, Speed wasn't drove the whole six year. Yeah, yeah. Scott Speed was probably the last full-time. He was the last full-time, driver, yeah. So. And that's that's been yeah. It's be interesting yeah. to see how Logan Sargent gets on. A lot of pressure on him, you know, yeah. especially now with the new. Um, media interest in the US in Formula One. Um, you know, it, it said it's high. Is he, is he good enough to step up? And there's a lot of question marks there for sure. Um, then yeah, but you, you got to wonder what's what's the benchmark for a new guy I mean, I think Alexander in, in the, in the, in the uh, William, Williams a, car, right? So if we're are we talking if he, if, he, if he gets some points, is that going to be considered successful? or, or Albon you know? is a pretty good benchmark now, I think. You know, obviously he had his time at Red Bull, which probably didn't go as well as he wanted. He had that sabbatical for a year, and then he came back to the Williams for the last couple of years. And, you know, I'll be honest, Albon, I've been seriously impressed. He's stepped in. He's done a really good job in a difficult car to drive. He's outshone his teammate, you know, on a fairly regular basis there. And... um you know, I think for, for Sergeant Albon is a really good benchmark. In the same way that, um, you know, Kevin Magnussen was a great benchmark for Mick Schumacher last year and because it, it proved, you know, Mick's, Mick's undoing there because he couldn't compete with Kevin on a regular basis. If Logan Sargent can't compete with Albon on a regular basis, then it's going to be very, very difficult for him to justify that seat long term. Um, so that'll be an interesting, you know, dynamic. And also um, Oscar Piastri coming into... McLaren, there was the quite public divorce between McLaren and Daniel Ricciardo. And then, of course, the movement of Piastri from Alpine to or the Alpine stable anyway to um, to McLaren uh, and how Alonso left Alpine as well. So there's a lot, a lot going on there in those dynamics. So it'll be, you know, again, a bit like Alexander Albon. Lando Norris is now a, an established benchmark in Formula One. We know what we get with Lando. We know what we get with Alex. And they're great benchmarks of these two rookies coming in. You know, if they can, if they can compete and and show that they're not a not a million miles away from those guys, then I'll have a good season. But if they're constantly four, five, six tenths of a second a lap off in in qualifying and, and race performance, then there's going to be some questions asked about them. But uh, I think Piastri's got, and no disrespect to Logan Sargent, I think Piastri's got a little bit better pedigree than than Sargent and. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, again, how he does against an established teammate. All right. Yeah, yeah. Piastri's pretty darn good. Now, Lee, you watch yeah. some Formula One, don't you? I do. 
I, so I watch a little so, bit more Formula One than I do IndyCar. So, all right. So, I'd like to get your thoughts on what uh, who you're going to be looking at this season and what uh, what you're looking forward to seeing this year in Formula One. Uh, I'm looking for. I'm. I mean, I'm obviously again going to watch this season with a little bit uh, different colored glasses on. Uh, I got a little bit more vested in in watching it than just dropping through the channels and up. Oh, look, there's a race. Let me watch it. Um, <laughs> definitely gonna. I'm looking forward to seeing what Red Bull has to do. They're obviously going to be the front runners uh, for this season. Interested in in the Mercedes cars, uh, you know, Hamilton and, and what he can bring. Uh, but I, my dark horse for the year, and I'm going to uh, I'm picking him every week from the rest of the season is going to be Kevin Magnuson. I really think he's he's show, he's, uh, you know, past couple of years, he's been a he's he's not a he's not a the winningest driver out there, but he's a consistent performer. I think he's in, uh, you know, he's going to be my guy. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for this year. So uh, that's going to be my guy. All right. So you heard <laughs> it here first. Lee's picking Kevin Magnuson to win the season opener. Yep. So, uh, Louise, who do you like to win the season opener? Hmm. I get the, I get the ball in my court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going with this. I'm going with if you don't go with Max Verstappen, yeah, something's wrong yep. with you. So yeah, can we make a thing? Can we make a rule this year that you cannot pick Max Verstappen every week? <laughs> so we should. So we should say uh, we're just going to see every week in Formula One. We'll pick who finishes second. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Team, like, that 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 would kind of be. Uh, a little fun little twist on what we do here. So yeah, I uh, think man. we should pick who's yeah. going to be second this year. All right, and that so, one. So so Lee, who do you think is going to be second? I I'll go Kevin Magnuson. I mean Max Max is Magnuson is going to finish first and second. All right. So <laughs> and Louise, you, you give me your picks for one and two. You already got Max for one. All right, Perez is two. Perez is two. Richard, you're the expert here. So Leclerc for two. Leclerc for two. And me, if I say Hamilton finishes second. All right. So let's, uh, uh we're going to enjoy, uh, this coming weekend with all the, uh, all three major series in action. Uh, now, um, Lee, NHRA is not going to be in action this week. That's correct. That is correct. They start, okay. So, uh, uh but there were some, oh, what do you say? Some I think they're testing this on. weekend, don't they? Yeah. They're uh, testing this weekend. Um, so yeah. looking forward to that. There's not a whole lot of, uh, technical changes. There's a couple of rule changes, but um, and that's just NHRA. They don't. Uh, I think the last major change they had was on the dragsters. They went from an open cockpit to the uh, I call it the fighter jet cockpit. So the dragsters used to have an open cockpit, much like uh, F1 and IndyCar. And a couple of years ago, safety concerns, they brought in a uh, sealed cockpit. Uh, basically it looks just like a canopy out of a fighter jet. Um, and that was, I think four or five years ago, that was the last year, like real rules change, safety change that they did. Um, not, not a whole lot this year as far as safety and, and rules changes. Um, so, and that's just, that's just typically NHRA. Uh, they don't, they don't do a lot of changes unless, uh, safety warrants it. So, uh, you know, an, an interesting note on safety is that do you know the uh, the NHRA was the first uh, series to uh, mandate the the uh, Hans device? Yep, yep, yep. That was that which was is, uh, which is kind of funny because uh, the guys were getting killed left and right in NASCAR. <laughs> you know, no. and they didn't 
they didn't want to make that thing mad at all. It's too bulky to, to put that thing on my shoulders. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, yeah, a, a, a coffin's pretty bulky too, but I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. But I always applaud the uh, NHL for or NHL <laughs> NHRA <laughs> yeah, for uh, being, being the first to kind of embrace that. Cause the sad thing is how many guys did we lose when that device was really around in prototype form since about 1987. And yep. then they, they had fully functioning uh, ones by the middle nineties, but it wasn't until, you know, 2001, 2002, until we made these things mandatory in the other sports. Yeah. Yep. Over an ARCA wreck. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, even yeah, even killing off Dale Senior wasn't good enough to mandate it yet. So, yeah, yep. Anyway, yep. Anyway, 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 Lee, I just that just popped in my head when we were talking about safety. No, and, it's a uh, it's a great it's and, a great and, and, the, and the canopy, the canopy, yeah, which I think looks really cool on the dragsters. I, you know, again, I don't watch a lot of NRA, but I, uh, as a kid, I used to love. Uh, building models of dragsters because they're just so much different than uh, any other kind of race car, you know? Yeah. And I still remember I had one was a uh, big daddy, Don Garlitz, you know, I had, yep. I'd, I'd built that model and I was very proud of it. So. Yeah. I had a Kenny Bernstein dragster as model as a kid that was yeah, Kenny Bernstein. You know, yep. Mm. You know, Budweiser car. So um, yeah. So we got some testing this, this, this coming weekend. And then after that, it's, you know, uh, full force in Gainesville, Florida and, Looking forward to what the season, you know, has to bring. Pro stock bikes, like we talked about last week, the Hayabusa Suzuki is uh, is probably the biggest change across the board um, as far as, like, body styles and stuff like that. So, you know, 200 miles an hour on a motorcycle is pretty quick, and I, I, I'm i looking forward to seeing what, uh, what that can do uh, for the Vance and Hines Yeah, I know guys. what it can do. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. It's quick. I know quick. what it can do. Yeah, it's super quick. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. Those other guys on the Harleys are gonna they're gonna have their hands full trying to trying to stop these Vance and Hines guys. So I'll tell you, yeah. Well, we are just about out of time. There's a few more more things we wanna wanna mention here. Now now Lee, you've got some news about one of our one of our longtime uh listeners that uh battling some illness. Yeah, and it's his birthday. So uh Dan Antonelli, thanks for being an awesome a fan of the show. Wanna just reach out, wish you a happy birthday. We're with you, buddy. Uh, you know, he's a granite stater just like me. So uh yeah, happy birthday, bud, and uh thumbs up for you. Yeah, good luck, good luck to yep. you, Dan. We appreciate you listening to us. So then the other thing we wanted to mention, because our producer Keith Hayes is a big New England Patriots fan. Tom oh, Brady, yeah. who is considered by some to be the GOAT, is uh <laughs> actually has a little bit of involvement in uh the World Endurance uh series, the WEC. His clothing brand, the Brady Clothing, is going to be an associate sponsor on the Porsche team in the upcoming WEC events. Uh, so, I, I mean, will we see Brady at some of these races? I don't know. Uh, maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I don't know how uh, how hands-on he is with the uh, the clothing company or if he just loans his name to it. But, uh, and again, you know, anything Tom Brady loans his name to, hey, man, that's the GOAT. So, and here's his, his name is going to be on that Porsche car uh, in the hypercar series. So. Um, well, now we are out of time, so we uh, we don't even have enough time for a green white checker, so uh, <laughs> we just we'll just we'll just cruise to the finish line. Um, but I want to thank you, Lee and Richard, and I want to thank you, Louise, Keith Hayes, my producer. I want to thank you as well. I want to thank Forza Motorsport, I want to thank Facebook Live, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio. 
iTunes, Spreaker, all those folks that carry us. Uh, most, of, most of all, though, I want to thank you folks that watch us. Um, I, I just love it when I used to, I used to say folks that listen to us, but now I'm thank you folks that watch us every week and on the replays. Uh, but until next week, good night. Good night. Thanks for watching Draft in the Circuits. Make sure to follow Draft in the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Draft in the Circuits is a Coach Sinister One production.